You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Thanks, y'all. Well, welcome again to Roswell Presbyterian Church. We're so glad you're here today. Today, we continue our sermon series, Blessed and Blessing. Last week, we looked at the logic of the Christian life that we are blessed, not to keep it all to ourselves, but to bless others. And we looked at the life of Abraham, and we saw that oftentimes blessing does not come as a present reality, but it's a future promise. We have to live and respond in faith that blessing will come down the road. Today's text comes at the end of the book of Philippi, this great letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. You might remember from a couple weeks ago, we looked at the book of Acts and the founding of the church in Philippi, where Paul and some of his friends went and uh, told the good news to Lydia. And she became the first European convert and her whole household converted. And this church kind of blossomed there in Philippi. And eventually Paul leaves to go to other towns and other cities to plant other churches. But he never forgot how the special place in his heart that the Philippians had. And so he writes this great, this great letter to the church in Philippi. And our text comes at the very end of the letter where he acknowledges that he's received a monetary or financial gift from them and he wants to say thank you. So let's look at Philippians chapter four, verses 15 through 20. You Philippians indeed know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs more than once. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that accumulates to your account. I've been paid in full and have more than enough. I'm fully satisfied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our Father, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, we ask the next few moments, you might be our teacher, that you might speak to our hearts about matters that sometimes are difficult to talk about, but they're necessary. And so we pray that you might help us recognize and see our blessing and then use that blessing to bless others. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Money, money changes everything. That's what the great 1980s economic philosopher Cindy Lauper once sang. In the opening verses she sings, listen to this. (laughs) I said, I'm sorry, baby. I'm leaving you tonight. I found someone new. He's waiting in the car outside. Oh, honey, how could you do it? We swore to each other everlasting love. I said, well, yeah, I know. But when we did, there was one thing we weren't thinking of, and that's money. Money changes everything. That is cold, Cindy. But money does change things. Think about your best friend in college who became more financially successful in their career than you. Money changes things. Money changes a relationship. Or maybe you came upon hard times and you can't afford what you used to be able to afford. Money changes things. Or your friend who married rich and now you're struggling with feelings of jealousy. Money changes things. Whether it's friends, in romance, families, at work, even in the church, 
Money changes things. The question is, will we, will we be changed to the better or for worse? Money is an important part of our lives, but it is not the most important thing. So how can we keep it in the right perspective? How can we put it in the proper place? How can we keep it from governing our lives and relationships? You see, the Bible warns about the effects money can have on our lives and on our relationships. In fact, at one point, Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. You have to decide who's going to be number one. The Apostle Paul, in a letter, he warns people, he says, the love of money is the root of all sorts of evils. And I love the advice of what the poet Richard Armour once reminded us. Money talks, I'll not deny. I heard it once, it said, goodbye. <laughs> money isn't inherently evil, but it can lead us down the wrong path. And I think one of the keys to not going down the wrong path is to recognize that money, our wealth, our possessions, our resources, are tools, they're vehicles by which we've been blessed that we are called to then go and bless others. Money is a blessing from God that we are called then to bless others with. In our text today, Paul is wrestling theologically with the concept of money. He desires to keep it in the right place so he can keep in right relationship with this Philippian church. Receiving uh, money for the apostle Paul was kind of difficult. This is why he doesn't really bring it up to the very end of the letter. You see, the church in Philippi was the only church he allowed to regularly support his ministry. He believed that. It was the only church in the Mediterranean world that was allowed to support his ministry. And so he didn't want their support, their financial support, to distort their relationship. So in verse 15, he writes, You Philippians indeed know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. Paul uses this language of giving and receiving in Hellenistic literature. They would often use commercial language to describe the relational category of friendship. When they talked about friendship, they talked about giving and receiving. Friends are people who give and receive. I've heard the church called a place where we have gifts to give and gifts to receive. We all have gifts to give and we all have gifts to receive. This is what it means to be blessed and blessing. Occasionally, rarely sometimes, you have the opportunity to both be blessed and bless others simultaneously. Simultaneously. I think oftentimes it's when we sing together, when we bless others by singing a song together, we receive that blessing as well. Now that we're doing three services on a Sunday morning, right immediately after I finish here, I run over to the sanctuary to do the 11 o'clock service. And a few Sundays ago, I had the opportunity, I got there early, so I was able to sit in the hallway and kind of watch the choir and watch John Perry, our, our choir director. Direct. And you know, John, I mean, John's just lovely, you know, and he just, it was like he hit like a beatific vision. Like he turned into like an angel. His, his like red hair was on fire and he was just like, it was amazing. And I was like, John, that was, he's like, man, I was, I was in it, Jeff. You know what they call this? I said, what do they call it? They say, it's a phenomenological experience. I learned a phenomenological experience. That's worth a lot, you know, in uh, Scrabble. But anyway, uh, a phenomenological experience is where the, you get goosebumps. The hair stands up on your neck. It's where you feel blessed and blessing. We hope the church is a place where you are blessed and you bless others. Whether it's through music, greeting one another as you come in to the gym, 
teaching Sunday school, painting the hallways, sewing quilts, maintaining the budget, volunteering with Habitat for Humanity. I could go on and on. We are part of the church and we are blessed to bless others. We all have gifts to give and gifts to receive. Now, there's a misconception that this blessing is just spiritual. Blessing, though, is both spiritual and material. Notice what he says in verse 16. Paul writes, For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs more than once. We can pray for each other, encourage each other, sing with each other. This, I hope, is a blessing to us spiritually. But eventually, God wants us to bless each other materially as well. The Philippians, I'm sure, cared about the Apostle Paul. They prayed for him, wrote him notes, you know, would share stories. Oh, remember when he was here? But you know what he really appreciated? When they materially blessed him. He needed it. Paul's saying, thank you for sending me resources to meet my needs. It's important that spirituality becomes material at times. I don't know if you know about those people who will bring flowers to your funeral but won't bring you soup when you're sick. You know, when we're sick, we... Yeah, bless me spiritually, but I need soup. I need material help. I need to be blessed physically. We're about the spiritual health of our congregation, about singing and praying, but we also need material resources as well. We need to pay salaries and insurance, the electrical bill, the water bill, maintenance costs. I could go on and on. Do you know how much the annual budget here is at Roswell Presbyterian Church? Over $4 million dollars. If you would have told me in high school that I would one day have be responsible for raising $4 million, I would have crawled up into a fetal position and started sucking my thumb. I hate fundraising. Always have. I, you know, remember like in high school, they make you like sell like candy bars door to door. Hated it. They made college, they made me sell t-shirts. Asking for money is not a, a fun idea for me, unless it's maybe like Girl Scout cookies. So you may ask, why are you doing it now, Jeff? Well, because when it comes to the church, this church especially, I have zero reservations about asking for your financial commitment. I would put Roswell Presbyterian Church up against any other nonprofit in terms of using our resources efficiently and making a positive impact on our community and world. We are running a tight operation here. People are giving their all for Jesus Christ. We want to be blessed and to be a blessing to others. Now, some of us were, some of the staff were hesitant about using this uh, language of blessing. It gets misused and misconstrued in our culture, especially in American Christianity. There's kind of a habit sometimes for preachers to say, give us money and then you will receive financial blessing yourself. Give us money. This is a tried and true way for religious leaders often to enrich themselves. God told me to tell you to give me money it's worked in history. But this is not what Paul is doing. He only lets one church support him. And he says at one point, he says, I have more than enough. Listen to verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that accumulates to your account. I have been paid in full and have more than enough. I am fully satisfied. I'm fully satisfied. I'm well taken care of. The church is not a place to enrich the leadership or to enrich ourselves, but to bless others materially and spiritually. We're called together in church, built up in Jesus Christ, and then sent out to do the work of ministry. Called together, built up, and then sent out. The church is a place where we have gifts to give and gifts to receive. 
I recently watched a documentary about a cult in Tennessee. And in the documentary, they interview all these experts on cults. And one of the ways they define a cult is, is it's a group who publicly states certain values, but when you see behind the scenes, something entirely different is going on. In a cult, the followers are meant to serve the the charismatic leader rather than the leader serving the followers. You're not allowed to question the leader. The leader is the supreme one, an authoritarian. A cult will use secrecy, intimidation, punishment, and power to control people. And in this cult, you're required to give extravagantly of your resources. And if you didn't, and it was to enrich the leadership, and if you didn't, you were seen as deficient spiritually, your failure. Back when I was in college, I remember as I was trying to figure out where I was going to find my spiritual home, and I went to this church, and it kind of functioned like a cult. And as the years have gone by, it's been, that's been proven true. The pastor would make fun and denigrate, I remember, gay people and women. He once said he would never worship a savior he could beat up. <laughs> He'd make veiled misogynistic comments. He wanted to enrich himself through religion. So a well-known podcast that tells that story. But this is one of the reasons I was drawn to the Presbyterian Church USA. We value conducting our, our responsibilities and ourselves openly and with transparency. You want to know how we're spending the budget? How we're budgeting for 2022? It's in the session minutes when the elders come together. You can see how we are using resources to do the work of ministry. Everyone can check it out. It's not just the staff. We have elders and leaders. We have the financial resource ministry who are keeping tabs, making sure we are wise and using our resources efficiently. The church is not led by a sole charismatic leader. The church is led by Jesus Christ. And we take responsibility by coming together and electing our officers, our elders. We have teaching elders, pastors, and ruling elders every year. And we cycle through. We are a representative democracy where we take responsibility openly for each other and our affairs. We desire for people to be fully satisfied, to be built up in Christ and not exploited. We are about servant leadership where we all come to serve and bless each other. We're we're asking people to bless this church materially and financially in 2022 so that we can go on and be a blessing to others. We know money changes everything. Let's change it for the good. We're blessed to bless others. And this is a good reason why we need to keep in mind to put money and our material resources in their proper place. I'll close with one of my favorite stories that I like to share every few years. It's a great reminder. It's written by Leo Tolstoy, the Russian writer. How much land does a man need? Tells the story of this Russian peasant who's fixated on the idea if he had more land, he would be happy. He comes into contact with this kind of simple people named the Bakshirs. And they own this vast area of land. And so he begins to negotiate with them. And they make him a deal that interests him. He's fascinated. They said, for a thousand rubles, You can get up tomorrow at sunrise and you go as far as you can and in a circle and mark your path with a spade and you have to come back to your starting point by sundown and all of the land that is in that circle will be yours, a thousand rubles. So the next day, this peasant gets up in the morning and he takes off marking with a spade, making a circle, but he gets so obsessed with it, he forgets 
that it almost gets time for sundown and he's got to make it back to his starting line. So he's sprinting back, sprinting as hard as he can. And when he gets there, he collapses at the feet of the Bakshirs and his heart gives out and he dies. His servant then comes, makes a hole six feet long and puts him in it. And Tolstoy says, in the end, it's all the land a man needs. <laughs> Rather than being consumed by our stuff, let's see it as a, a blessing to bless others. Money changes everything. Let's make sure it changes us for the good. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the blessings you have given to us here at Roswell Presbyterian Church. We pray that we might use those blessings to bless others. Thank you for all you've done for us. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.